Welcome back to the episode of Too Many Men. Tony Pickett, Zach Riley, Eric Johnson coming to you a week after our last episode. And I ended last episode on a pretty defiant rant against Andre Drummond. And that's going to continue to start today's episode. Uh, the guy you went out and got um, after he was bought out to be a major, not, not major, to be, to plug up the middle a little bit. Turns out he can't play. Turns out he is not efficient with the ball. He can't even play defense, not even great at rebounding. And in an elimination game, game six against the Phoenix Suns, you don't even play him. He does not see the court once in game six for the Los Angeles Lakers. And now today it comes out that Andre Drummond was fielding offers from a few teams. I'd imagine, you know, like the Nets, Milwaukee, teams that felt like they could just add another depth piece to contend. He signed with the Lakers because they promised him a starting spot. Tough scene. Tough. And I have to question a few things here. If you're Andre Drummond, and you're going to this team that's looking to win this year. Did you really see yourself as a starting piece for a team like that? So wait, Andre Drummond was promised a starting role and then ended up on the bench? You're probably calling yes. Andy Dalton. Listen, listen, Andy Dalton might see the field week one for Chicago. I still think he will. Andre Drummond saw the court game one for the Lakers. And that was enough. Totally and that was enough. Uh, he, oh man. You think they regret then, trading Zubat a couple of years ago? I don't know. But the thing that would upset me even more if I'm the Lakers is I see what Blake Griffin is doing right now for the New Jersey Nets. Uh, whoa, for the Brooklyn oh, Nets. Whoa. whoa. Can't do that. That's worse than any Washington football team slip up or anything. Yep. That's I just said years. the New Jersey Nets. They haven't been the New Jersey Nets in almost 10 years. You really ate yourself there. Wow. I think it's because of Dollar Tree selling that uh, we want, New Jersey Nets uh, wow. merch. We want the New Jersey Nets back. Do. So I, did, did anybody else uh, watch any of the first two games of Brooklyn-Milwaukee? It's awful. It's a I slaughter. It. It's not even close. Oh, the first game a little bit, uh, not the second game. It's a, it's an absolute slaughter by the Brooklyn Nets. They did you can't Giannis even... can't cover KD. No, he's just he's dancing around him, and I don't know. I don't want to say Giannis looks uh you know unmotivated, but it's almost like this team, this Brooklyn Nets team, is sucking the life force out of him. Blake Griffin had I think it was eighteen points in game one. And that was enough that if you put on your channel guide and you hit info under the game, it was Blake Griffin and the Brooklyn Nets take on the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> and it's just like, wow. Who's, who are you really, you know, yeah. promoting the, here? The careers of Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin that somehow cross paths in Detroit for a team who I still have no idea what they're doing or what that plan even was. <laughs> when they went out and got Blake Griffin. Andre Drummond is riding the bench in an elimination game, and Blake Griffin is going off in game one, dunking over, and in game two, dunking over the former league MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Tough look. Tough. T- t- tough. You think he would reconsider his contract uh, 
or just like regret signing an extension if they lost? Giannis? Yeah. I don't I mean, he just kind of ran into this juggernaut that is the Brooklyn Nets. That's yeah. what for loyalty. Yeah. And really, I think the hope, at least from Giannis's point of view right now, is that this was it is a five year extension in Milwaukee that he recently signed? Four. I think so. Oh, four. four? Yeah. I think you can only sign max four. The hope has to be that it lives past this big three put together in Brooklyn. This is without James Harden, and they're doing this. Yeah. They have to be the favorites for the title at this point. Without a doubt. The way they're playing without Harden, you add Harden to that equation. James Harden, who injured himself in game one, and I am a firm believer that he injured himself pregame jumping into the stanchion as his pregame warm-up or his pregame ritual. I firmly believe that's where he did it. He played one minute of game one. Could you imagine if LeBron jumped on the table and just slipped on the table and tore oh. something? Nobody be, no NBA player would be allowed to touch anything outside of the bench seats or the court ever again. Yep. Or the ball ever again. Wouldn't be allowed to happen. I mean, that's just on the player for being very excessive for no damn reason. But look at when James Harden gets back for that team. Let's go through the teams in the East. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Eric, what's the score of the Sixers-Hawks game right now? Uh, they're at halftime. I know the Sixers are up. Last time I saw, they were up around six. Okay. The Sixers are having a bit of a struggle with Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Trey Young is a great young player. If they're struggling with the Hawks, how do you think they play against the fully healthy big three in the Brooklyn Nets? It's, it's going to be tough. If they're doing yeah. this to the Bucs, it's not going to look good. I, I thought the Bucs had a chance to win this series. I would have picked them prior to game one. I yeah. did. I had Bucs in seven. Still possible. Which, Likely still possible. No. There hasn't been a game in Milwaukee yet. And we go back to that year where I, I think Milwaukee was playing Toronto. And Toronto fell down 2-0 early and then came back and won the next four. So it can be done. But I, I mean... There's, I, I don't think there's a team in the East that could stop Brooklyn. In the West, it might be a different story. It might be. Uh, let's go team by team. The Nuggets are interesting. They That Nuggets-Suns series is going to be a phenomenal series. Phenomenal game one last night. Shout out to Bowl Bowl for bricking that three to not push my over bet. Zach, why is it 8-2? Oh, cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. I bet the Mets and they're losing 8-2. Michael so, Franco kills the Mets like usual. That's he's got all, nuggets, all the runs. The Nuggets are interesting. The Nuggets can, I think, th- they would definitely lose to the Nets in probably five or six, but it, it wouldn't be blowout games like we're seeing with Milwaukee. I mean, Nikola Jokic, the MVP, announced today of the NBA. He he's a dominant force, and if they had Jamal Murray, it might be a little bit different of a story. Uh, let's go to the Phoenix. I'm all in on Phoenix. I loved Phoenix last night. Yeah, I, I don't. I like the Suns. I still don't think they're coming out of the West. Uh, Chris Paul battling through some shoulder injuries. Um, didn't seem to phase him last night, especially in that fourth quarter where he kind of locked in and was making every single shot. But if you want to go shooter for shooter, Devin Booker's great, but 
I mean, you got to find a way to stop James James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and I don't know if they you can't have that ability. The Suns aren't that strong defensively of a team. I don't think any team really can. No, it, it'd be tough to find a team that can. Uh, the Utah Jazz, that's a team that could possibly do it. Yeah. Possibly. Probably better than anybody else. That, that's probably the most defensive-minded team left of all the teams in the Western Conference. Hands down. Yeah. And they're they playing, the playing, the they're playing the Clippers, and they're going to have their hands full with that. Yep. And listen, if it's somehow the Clippers versus the Nets, I would say Nets easy, but there, there's no way in hell I could sit here and just count out Kawhi Leonard to snap in. But you have playoff Paul George. I understand you have playoff Paul George, but playoff Kawhi might be enough to offset that because look what he did in game six and seven of the Mavericks series. They were down in the series, backs up against the wall, and Kawhi Leonard said, this is my team. I'm going to take control of this team. I'm going to make sure I get mine, and whatever else comes off of it comes off of it. And that was enough to lead them to victory in both those games and take that, steal that series, really, from the Dallas Mavericks. Didn't help that Luka was hurt, too, uh, either. Yeah, I also think a fully healthy Luka, and it's a different story. Yeah, they might close um, that. Christoph Porzingis was happy. Oh, Christoph Porzingis is another one. Another one to file under an Andre Drummond-like player. Just absolutely, absolutely useless. He doesn't like being a number two, he says. He doesn't like not getting the same attention that Luka Doncic is getting in that offense. You have not earned He's the right anything. to yeah. even complain about not getting the same amount of attention Luka Doncic is getting. He's you're bricking threes. You're bricking mid-ranges. You're not giving your all for rebounds. When people start referring to that trade as the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade now and not the Christophe Porzingis trade now, there's a problem. And Mark Cuban has to look back and say, I've done some great things with the Dallas Mavericks. I've, I've Some great moves have been made under my ownership. This is not one of them. I cannot see a reason other than to keep Luka Doncic happy and to have another European on the team for keeping Christophe Porzingis past this season. There are teams that would take him. There are teams that would say would bank on a change of scenery. They're your lower-level teams like an Orlando Magic, like a Houston Rockets, that would take him and make him a centerpiece just because you need a name on a team. Detroit, again. Detroit, beautiful place for Detroit. Who I don't understand what they're doing. That would be a big, I don't understand it, but I love it because you're the Detroit Pistons. Chris Stops needs to get out and they need to get a real number two. It's as simple as that. If they want to move forward, there has to be a point where Luka Doncic can can have enough trust in a number two to take a shot and make a shot and not feel like he has to do it all himself. Until that happens, they're not going to win anything in the West. One One of my friends thinks they're signing Kawhi. That would be a great move. That'd be an awesome move for both sides. I mean, Kawhi gets a, the only thing that would go wrong. And I don't think Kawhi has this problem. I don't think Luka Doncic has this problem is who is the true number one on the team. I don't think that'll be a problem down the stretch. I think when it comes down to who needs to make a shot, it depends what type of shot it is, but when they're drawing up plays, it's going to be to Luka. 
but you need to give attention to Kawhi Leonard because if Luka can trust Kawhi Leonard to make a shot, he will not hesitate to give him the ball. He doesn't trust Kristaps Porzingis, so he feels like he needs to take some contested wild shot. And I said this earlier in the season, Luka Doncic, great player. He just makes some very, very strange decisions sometimes because he feels like he needs to do everything in the offense. Getting a player like Kawhi Leonard would mean he doesn't have to do everything in the offense. It's going to take some adjustment. It's going to take a period of time to get used to playing with each other. But that's what the regular season's for. You get into the playoffs, you clinch a playoff spot, you got a shot. It's as simple as that. I also think, especially if they lose in this round, why stay with the Clippers? I know it's your home. Yeah. I, I, unless they go out and get a true number two. You know, with the Clippers? Yeah. They might not have the cap space, too. Yeah, well, it would, it would involve moving Paul George. And what's his interest? What's the interest there? Yeah. I, I'm just hypothetical, but. With all these problems with these teams, can, they, can any of these teams beat the Nets right now? No. I will say this, though. Phoenix has cap room. If Kawhi Lair wants to win a title, that's the place to go. Phoenix is in a and, position to compete for a title right now a, without Kawhi Lair. And a wide open number three. They have no number three. They have Jay Crowder. Uh, and Kawhi Leonard, no. I mean. And trust me, that is not a knock at Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is more than serviceable. Good player. He has been phenomenal in this playoffs for them. He's been not automatic, but close to automatic from three in this playoff so far. Booker is showing more trust in Crowder than uh, Doncic was in Porzingis. And that's where that trust gets you. you. You can kick it out and make the pass and pass up on the shot because you know there's somebody capable of making the shot out there. Jay Crowder is a capable player. And he does provide a certain swagger to that team as well. Not that Devin Booker doesn't, because he clearly does. But on the defensive side of the ball, Jay Crowder's not going to back down from any challenge. Jay Crowder, there were some games he was getting cooked by LeBron when they were playing the Lakers. He was still right up his ass every single play regardless. That would be a fun place for Kawhi, though. Did you guys notice how much LeBron uh, complains and walks down the court? I noticed it a lot in the Sun series. You say complain. I I wouldn't call it complaining. Maybe complain, but, like, he just doesn't follow through, just move on and go to the next play, which is just, like, ridiculous. Yeah, there was (laughs) the thing. uh, He was arguing with that official where he didn't – and then he didn't get back on defense. Um. I see it like this from that play, that specific play. Him not getting back, it was still a four-on-four four in the defensive zone because Chris Paul was also late getting back for the offensive possession. If Chris Paul is getting into the offensive groove faster on that play, LeBron would have been back faster on the play. Yeah. But stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you didn't get a call. Granted, it probably should have been a call because I've seen calls for less in this playoffs in that game. Yeah. It probably should have been a call. But you, you can't, can't stand there and complain about it when your team's second. down double digits. You can't do that's it. What, that's what LeBron's been doing for years, too. Yeah, yeah I, and, I feel like he does it a lot. I just haven't noticed it until this playoffs. No, not a good look for LeBron, by the way. I saw a lot of bad sportsmanship moments. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that bothers me the most is walking off the court. Yeah, there was like a minute left, right? Yeah, with five minutes left. Five oh, minutes shit, left. that's even worse. <laughs> In, in game five, and then not shaking hands in game six. He did get Booker's jersey, but he didn't shake He hands. did, and I, I great. You met after the game or whatever. You met with the team. 
beautiful. Fine. Good for you. I want to see that publicly, you know, mm-hmm. and I had a problem. Let's take it to a different sport. Tom Brady, not shaking hands at midfield with certain quarterbacks. I have a problem with that. We also got to see like when he brought Mahomes into the lot, they went into like a, a locker room yeah. after the game and talked. No, to no, him. I get that. But I think it was, what is it? Nick Foles. He didn't shake his hand after the game. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, he yeah. was very upset about that though. Yeah. That I don't like that. I don't like LeBron going off. If there was, I'm a big hockey guy. If there was a hockey player who didn't go through the handshake line, I would have a problem with that. You know, you gotta, I understand you're upset because you're the top three player ever in the game arguably the best but that and means you lost means but you still gotta you still gotta you still have some class there simple yeah, as that. it means more that you are class have class in those type of moments instead of just being a dick about it yeah I, there's no reason for it and it's not like he hasn't won anything before you know like he's he's been through this before he's been eliminated before it's just like, and then you got these good young players beating you. You might as well like respect it and, you know, and give move them on. The handshake. Yeah, move on. Give them the handshake and move on. You come back next season and you try to do it again. That's what you do every damn year. Like the fact that you got to make a show about it is insane. It'd be easier. I mean, listen, I listen. I'd be pissed off too if I put that much faith that faith in Andre Drummond. And LeBron loves the spotlight. He does. He does. There's nothing he loves more. It goes all the way back to the decision. Yep. It goes all the way back to the cameras surrounding his high school games. There's nothing he loves more. He loves it also when uh, he goes to his kids' games. And people post that. The whole Space Jam thing. They're saying you'd rather play for the Toon Squad over Team USA this summer. I didn't like that. I didn't like that either. And I'm excited for Space Jam. I'm not going to watch it. Well, I don't, I'll probably I, watch it, but I'm not that, that, that statement didn't bother me. I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my time with that. With the Olympics. Yeah. Who knows if US is even gonna go to the Olympics? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my time with that. And let's be real, they could send over your best player could be DeMar DeRozan, and you could still probably win a gold medal medal. There's no need for a LeBron James going over there and risk injury. Um let's move and to hockey. Lightning just won. Lightning yeah. did just win two nothing. Now we need uh, they win. They win the series four one. Uh, let's all take the time to sit and laugh at the Edmonton Oilers. They got swept by a team that proceeded not to win another game uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Winnipeg Jets getting swept last night by the Montreal Canadiens overtime goal by Tyler Toffoli ended the series. What the, the Montreal Canadiens all of a sudden? Wagon. Who I – what was it? It was a week ago, right before game seven, wasn't it? Yep. Who I had – I stuck a fork in them because I thought they were done. I thought they were losing game seven to Toronto because I don't you, learn from history. You, you you texted me. I was in my hotel, and you texted me almost a Joe Namath guarantee. <laughs> They're winning them all. Game seven. Yeah. And then – you proceed to get upset when they were not. Well, the Montreal Canadiens have not trailed since game four of the last series. Jesus. But this is the other thing for you. It's Toronto in a game seven. Why did you expect this year was going to be any different? Because they were playing in a division 
that was meant for them to succeed against a Montreal Canadiens team that wasn't by any means good the whole course of the season. I get when people say that, oh, they're built for the playoffs. Okay, I get you're built for the playoffs, but you're only as good as your worst player. Montreal is not built for the playoffs. Carey Price is built for the playoffs. Carey Price? I would never. Listen, Carey Price is recently an okay regular season goalie. Not great. You just got to get him to the playoffs. So if I was Montreal, here's what I would do. I would get a good regular season goalie to play for most of the regular season. And then I would simply put in Carey Price when the game started to really matter. Jonathan Bernier and Carey Price. That man hasn't, Jonathan Bernier's a great one. That man hasn't been beatable since game five of the Toronto series. Oh, since game four of the Toronto series. Doesn't this just scream 2014? We're literally watching the same run over and over again. Listen, I am fairly certain Fairly, they're going to get slapped in a series by either Vegas or Colorado. I can say that with like 95% certainty. I also said it about Toronto and Montreal. Meaningless. That is a different animal. Yeah. Colorado, Vegas, and Tampa are a step above everybody else. That is a different animal of team. With that being said, the Montreal Canadiens would probably beat either one of them in five. So 14 hours ago on moneypuck.com, Montreal is a 15.7% chance to win the Stanley Cup. Mm. Colorado has 24.2, Tampa 21.4, Vegas 17.4. So they have the fourth best chance. Yes, and Tampa's probably went up after the victory. After winning tonight. I, I can't imagine it went up much. Prior to the game today, Carolina had a 5.4% chance of making the Stanley Cup final. And those Canadian teams, they haven't played anybody. No. They They haven't haven't been to the United States. No, they haven't played. For all intents and purposes, the Montreal Canadiens have not played a well-rounded hockey team all season. So, like, you really can't even gauge what could happen. Because, like, they're but either going to get shit there. on or all you of a sudden. shut them out. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> because they haven't played any other team. You can't say specifically, like, take data from a game during the regular season. It's like, oh, they beat uh, Colorado here and here. They can't Mont- do that. Montreal is the most well-rounded out of all the Canadian teams. And if you go, if you stuck them with the American teams, they're probably – just hanging around 10 for most well-rounded hockey teams. They could, I don't know. I look at roster. I look at how a team is built. Colorado is so much better than them. Oh yeah. The Vegas Golden Knights are so much better than them. Tampa, Boston, Carolina, Tampa. I would even say Florida. I'm fairly certain all of them are so much better than them. They could walk out there and beat them in five games. Because Carey Price might turn into that Carey Price all of a sudden. And if I'm a team in the next round, I'd be scared because Dustin Tokarski's not walking through that door. It's Jake Allen. It is Jake Allen, but that's different than Tokarski. Ask all Rangers fans what happened when Dustin Tokarski was inserted as the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. It basically guaranteed them that series in 2014. 
that's why Chris Kreider got that extension. Because he, you know, Chris Kreider. Yeah. How about the LA Kings, huh? Report from Drieger came out today. They want two top six forwards. And you and I discussed it earlier. There's a there's a clear one. Number one's Jack Eichel. Yeah. Who's number two? That's 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 the big one. That's the big one. Either in trade or free agency. Taylor. What about Taylor Hall's interesting? I I think it's Mike Hoffman. I was thinking trade route. What about Patrick Line? Hmm. With all the reports coming out that Columbus could be done with the Patrick Line experiment, which wouldn't, I mean, that I don't know what that franchise is going to do. So like, they are on a complete crash course. I had no idea what was going to happen after Panarin and Bobrovsky and all of them dipped. I now, have no I really idea know. what's going to happen now. <laughs> the next couple seasons of Columbus Blue Jackets hockey is not going to be pretty by any means. But Line A is an interesting one. What if they just said F it and gave $14 million to Ovechkin? I am... <laughs> <laughs> I am fairly, fairly, fair... I would say I'm 95% certain that man doesn't even hit the open market. Yeah. I don't either. But if for some reason he does, if I am the Washington Capitals, I am concerned. <laughs> because they've had the better part of, I don't even really want to say a year. They've had the better part of like three years really to lock this contract up. They just haven't. Because done it. technically the negotiating period doesn't open until January 1st for that player. Like, no, he can't resign until January 1st. Of the of yeah. the year's contract is up. The other, um, but the other not. name keep an eye on Landeskog. Another player that I'm fairly certain doesn't hit the open market. Market. Yeah, uh, I would look more toward a Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But I I look at this and I hear the report that LA wants to add two top six forwards. What is the plan? What is the plan? And they're the favorites for Seth Jones. What is the plan? I don't know where they're getting this money from. Your biggest question mark is in net. Who is goaltending for you? Because Jonathan Quick is up there. And who's their backup? Is it Peterson? It's Cal Peterson. But I think Cal Peterson. I think Peterson's the starter. I think he's starter material. I think he probably is too. But you need a backup. If you want to invest into Cal Peterson being your starting goalie, you need to move Jonathan Quick. And he has an anchor of a contract for the way he's playing. Nobody's taking him. You might have to buy him out. And then you have another problem in that locker room in Drew Doughty, who his play is not living up to the value of that contract. It's a contract for Doughty. It's not Drew Doughty. It's his contract. It's contract. And it's the fact, I mean... He said earlier in the offseason, if it keeps going this way, it'd be hard for him to be happy with staying in L.A. If, if the team keeps following the course, he sees them following. Signing two top six forwards with t- them following a totally different course than rebuild. 
Okay, so I'm on the Kings cap friendly right now. As of right now, they have $9.1 million in cap space. They have to lock up Athens CU. They have to lock up Lazat, Trevor Moore, Matt Luff, Willannon's UFA. Everybody else is under contract. And 6.2 mil of Vilya Kovalchuk's coming off the books. They're going to have some room. And resigning Anthony CU and all of them, I don't see as a major problem. Anthony CU would be a great depth piece on any team looking to contend. And apparently that's going to be LA next season, but you need what's quick making next season. Jonathan quick is making $5.8 million until 2023 until 23. You can't move that contract. Nobody's going to take five for the next three seasons. So it's nobody's going to do that two more next seasons. Two seasons. Yeah. Next two seasons. Nobody's going to do that. A buyout could work. But you'd still need another goalie at that point. You need to go get one. Maybe, maybe you talk to Seattle and you're like, hey, we'll, we'll get him to waive the clause. We'll expose him, take him, we'll throw in this. Because I, I don't think they'd want to trade any kind of high value draft pick for it. Now, here's like the for him to be off the team is Cal Peterson's UFA in 22. That's one of those things you got to get locked up now. Cal Peterson's not going to want to do it, but that's one of those things you got to try and get locked up now. I can also see why this team wants Seth Jones so bad. Their defense is not great. By any means. Drew Doughty, Olimata, Sean Walker, Michael Anderson, Christian Willannon, Tobias Bjornfoot, Curtis McDermott, Matt Roy. Olimata is a 5-6 defenseman on a decent team. He's okay. Yeah. Not. not a bad player by any means. He's not. He, he can't be on your top pairing with your Dowdy. You can't do that and expect to win games. And they're in an interesting position because we saw them earlier in the season. They played pretty well to start the year. There was talk they could sneak into that four spot in the playoffs in that division until eventually the Blues showed why they're a step above all those teams below them that San Jose, Anaheim, LA, and Arizona, but still a major step below Colorado. Um, Vegas and now Minnesota. I, I don't know. I don't know what the team's going to do. Division's going to change too. You're not going to have some of those teams, and you also yeah. have Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver coming over. They're the and Seattle. Skill wise, at the moment, they're the best of the California teams. It's not saying much. It's not saying much, but it does get you at least sixth in the division. With that, you're coming in to a division also with an expansion team. If you're expecting Seattle to be like other former expansion teams and not be like the statistical anomaly that is the Vegas Golden Knights, you're a five seed. And then, then you could see them competing with a Vancouver. You could see them competing with a Calgary being better than those teams to sneak into a playoff spot. Well, Calgary they, might blow it up. Yeah, that that's – as of right now, I'd say they'd be competing. They're pretty close to each other. Yeah. With that being said, usually teams on the incline make these moves. LA Kings are a team whose, for their core at least, their best days are behind them. They're clearly on the decline, and they want to, it seems like, throw it all in for one last run. Next year will be eight seasons removed from their last Stanley Cup. And four removed from their last playoff appearance. Yeah. 
and I, I, I'm not taking into account the kind of steps a Quinton Byfield can make. They have Turcotte. Is that who they have? They got Turcotte. Yeah. Or, Turcotte, Kapari, and Byfield. Yeah, what they could do to the roster. I'm not I, – I don't know. They're, they're question marks. Uh, I know Byfield got a taste of NHL action last season, but he wasn't, like, up, up, up. But it, it's – it's fascinating what the LA Kings think they can do here because you can go out and get two top six forwards in, let's say, let's say they go for the, the, the cream of the crop. Let's say they go Eichel and Hall. Good team, playoff team. You winning anything? And then what if they still want Seth Jones? Add Seth Jones. Good team, playoff team. Top three in the division team can beat in Edmonton in the first round. But play, but Stanley Cup contender. Stanley Cup. You taking that over Colorado? You taking that over Vegas? You taking that over Tampa? I'm not. I'm not at all. Interesting. Interesting. They're they're they might be the most interesting team of the offseason. Besides Seattle, of course. That's my. I'm taking I'm I'm taking Seattle out of that. Like I'd say your two most interesting teams, and they're interesting for different reasons. Both for the moves they're going to make. Buffalo's an interesting team. The Kings are an interesting team. Now I think the Kings. A, I think Columbus is more interesting than Buffalo. I don't know. There's just there's just so much that interesting. You got to remember interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I put Buffalo ahead of Columbus because that's a team that went out and got a top five free agent on the market last year and finished in dead last in the National Hockey League. Actually, I'm more excited. I'm more interested about um, Toronto. Yeah, there. How are they going to fix that? <laughs> it might. There might not be any fixing it. You might just have to eat this for a couple of years and hope That'd one year it clicks. Power too. You hope one year that you just oh we won a series. One year you get matched up with like a like a Philly. Go all my all we won a series. We did it. Because right now the goal for that franchise is not to win a Stanley Cup, it's to win a damn series. Which is sad, the state of Toronto hockey. It really is. Anything else hockey we want to get to? I want to talk I want to talk real quick about this little bit of uh, the Islanders Bruins series. I want to talk specifically about Bruce Cassidy. Oh, and the comments he made? And his New York Saints comments. The New York Saints. What did he say? He's he's complaining that the Perfect Islanders game. get all the calls from the referees, and they act like they're the New York Saints. With that said, this coming from the coach of the Boston Bruins, a team that's been getting calls for many years now. Yeah, with all that, or at least we think been getting calls. I'm not gonna sit here and defend officiating. It has been awful this season. It has been awful this series. But do I really see it more awful for one team than the other? No. I saw Scott Mayfield get elbowed in the head by Nick Ritchie last night. No call. Fined this morning by the Department of Player Safety. No call in the game. I've seen missed high sticks. And the one thing that upsets people the most is the whole Barzell Krejci incident back in game four. 
Barzell's giving it to the back of David Krejci. Just cross checks. And Krejci turned around, took it one step further, and speared him, which then got reviewed and overturned to a slash, which I think was very generous for Boston. Bruce Cassidy doesn't want to talk about that, but that was a very generous call. It's happening both ways. Barry Trotz isn't going to be as vocal about it as Bruce Cassidy is. You know, I was going to remember the Islanders, the third least penalized team in the National Hockey League this season. It's not like they've been committing penalties all year and all of a sudden the refs aren't calling any of it. They were the third least penalized team in the league. You can't be surprised they're not getting calls because maybe they're working within the confines of the rules. The Islanders are another one of those teams that are built for postseason hockey. From the, from the defense out, they will stifle you in the neutral zone. They're doing that to the Boston Bruins, and a lot of frustration is building. They scored five goals last night. I know the Bruins come back and they scored four. But for the majority of that game, the Bruins had trouble getting through the neutral zone. And you take it to when it was a one-goal game later in the game after Boston had already netted two straight. Two in a span of like five minutes. The Islanders jammed up the neutral zone. And I'm sure some of that was not within the confines of the rules. There's always a grab. There's always a hold. There's always a slash on every play. But if you want them to call ticky-tack stuff, on one team, the ticky-tack stuff has to be called on the other team. The officiating hasn't been great. There's a lot of stuff that had to be called. There's an interference call last night I wasn't happy with where an Islanders player got pulled down by a Boston player who was laying on the ice. If you see it as just one way, you're biased or you're blind. Simple as that, Bruce Cassidy. Find $25,000 for the league. Good. Got more, got yeah, good. more than Tom Wilson did. Yeah, I, listen. That happens. Oh, I also noticed uh, the other night, in game four of Vegas, Colorado. I saw, I was like, oh, Ryan Reeves is back. It was quiet. Just he's back in the lineup. Out of nowhere. Audrey's suspension got upheld. Yeah, if he can, if he, the series goes that far, we'll be back for game seven of Vegas, Colorado. Hey, and if you're going to Winnipeg opening night, guess who you're not seeing? Not Mark seeing Hopefully it's an away game. Imagine if at least home. announce him. Imagine the first game back is home. <laughs> Tough. Tough seed. Spend it in the next season. Hate to see it. All right. Uh, before we get to a little bit of baseball, a little bit of NFL minicamp, I just want to sit here and preach that USA soccer is back. Is it our starting goalie is not, back. Uh, in the lineup tonight or tomorrow or the next game, whatever it is? I saw ESPN posted it. Wait, is is it back? When was yes. it ever when was it ever there? When was it ever there? I will give you a moment where it was there. It is the summer of 2014. <laughs> the United States just escaped the group of death. If, if you're listening to this, get, get a snack for, for some story time. They just escaped the group of death after barely, barely losing a game to Germany. Tough. Tough. Tough group. Especially that game against Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo had a brilliant pass that tied up the game late. And they take on. Was it Belgium? It I was Belgium. It was Zach Belgium. gets it. Zach is on. Zach remembers. I'm on point tonight. Tim Howard plays the game of his life yep. for Team USA. I think it was at in your the house knockout round. In the first round of the World Cup. Knockout stages. 
and it goes in extra time. And I think they lost like two, one or two, nothing, but that was when it was at its peak. I think it was at your house for that game. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely were Tim Howard, Colorado Rapids legend, legend, legend. Uh, Oh yeah. Here's this thing from ESPN. The, uh, U.S. men's goalkeeper, goalkeeper Zach Steffen is ruled out for a bruise on his left knee. That's fine. That's fine. I Evan Horvath, who was the backup goalkeeper, came in, played stellar in the game against Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations Cup, I think it is, the first year. Yeah. I, I, haven't, I didn't even hear that. I don't even yeah, know. it's new. I, I've, I had no idea it was happening. But the thing that gives me hope with the United States men's national team. Oh, no, you're having hope. <laughs> Shut up. Can you please? All right. USA lost to Belgium 2-1 in extra time. The fact that he knew that off the top of his head is yeah. amazing. I, dude, I remember. Dude, the, the intros that ESPN had for those games got you so hyped. So hyped. Yep. I knew almost every player on the damn team. Clint Dempsey, Graham Zussi. Josie Altador, Tim Howard, John Brooks, who's still there somehow. Yep. John Brooks is still there. John yep. Brooks is the guy who had the header against Ghana in the first game of the group stages in the 2014 World Cup. Awesome. That's a who's awesome. who of MLS legends right there. Some of the best players in that, that league's ever seen. I look at the United States men's national team roster right now. And when I tuned in, because I tuned in after the Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul debacle that I bought. It's not a fight. Bought it's a debacle. It? Why did you buy it? And you bought, bought that. Why? I bought it. Why? It's not important why. I just did it. No. Tell them why. I wanted I wanted a decent stream of it. We had we had no issues here. The, the quote was, you have people over, so I feel forced to buy it. It's yeah. it, it was not worth, what was it, 40 bucks, 50 Listen, bucks? I want to shout out my 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 cornerback Mackenzie Alexander. He streamed the whole thing from the stadium. Oh my god! Which is a hell of a move. Yeah, that is from a box. Is that copy? If you're there, is that can you get in trouble for that? I don't know. I don't know either. I, don't, I think it's, it's a gray gone. area. I'll tell you it's this: a, it's it pro- a very gray area. It probably would have been taken down midway through the stream if it yeah. was illegal. It's true. He might have had no volume. It's his video. He's yeah. making that video there. Not like he did pay to get into that building and he could do that, I guess. That's so so I come in late to this USA Mexico game. We all I look at my Twitter. I look at my Twitter and it's Christian Polisic's about to have a PK. So I go, okay. I'm all in. I jump on. I see Evan Horvath in net. He makes a stellar save on a PK in the 118th minute, give or take. And I'm all in. I'm all in. And here's why I have hope. Out of all the players playing, I believe John Brooks was the oldest one at 28 years old. I look at the United States' young stud. He is a stud. Eric, I know you think it too. Christian Pulisic is a stud. He's going to be Because I I watch... Here's the thing. I watch what I see overseas and I see Pulisic and I see what he's doing in Chelsea and I think Chelsea's in a great spot. Yeah. Yeah, you do. What's, what's his hand motion? Yeah, you do. Give it to me. 
He's 22. He turns 23 in September. He has I, taken he has taken USA soccer. Now, I will say this. With that said, I don't care what he does for the U.S. men's national team. I care all about what he does for Chelsea. The happy I, – I, I had – dude – I had no idea what the roster looked like. I turned, I tuned into the game. I saw Clint Dempsey in the booth, and I was happy because he. I, yeah. I thought he should be on need. the damn field at his age. <laughs> it's it's not MLS. It's not MLS anymore, Tom. He, Christian he Pulisic, twenty-two. Josh Sargent, twenty-one. Giovanni Reina, who is a absolute star in the making, who is Christian Pulisic's number two and will be for years to come on this Team USA team, is eighteen years old. Damn. He's, in, he's playing 19 in, in November. Slam Borussia Dortmund. Yes, he is. USA soccer is here. It's back. It is back. And this Hope is so. not the back that loses in the knockout stage to Belgium. This is the back that gets past a Belgium in the knockout stage and loses in the second round to like a Netherlands or something. <laughs> yeah. Back. I, I hope so. Back. I'm looking at this roster. I've heard of a handful of these names. Back. Oh, yeah. I've heard of everybody that plays at MLS. I also love Weston McKinney. Oh, yeah. He plays for the um, – remember, he he's in uh, Juventus. That man – that man will straight up throw hands with, every, with anybody on that Mexico team. By the way, I also – I almost said he plays for the Philadelphia Union because I got him confused with Mark McKenzie. He was in the middle of little like scrums with Team Mexico five or six times. Just a gritty player. I that's love to see it out of USA Soccer. Yeah, you're not going to beat him with talent. Although with Pulisic, you might. You're not. You're just going to. You're just going to be gritty. You got to be able to fight off the ball. That's Let's right. Oh, my guy Walker Zimmerman's on the team. He was defender of the year in MLS. I was look, dude. I was looking for a reason to get back into USA soccer. Missing the out on the World Cup in 2018. Get into MLS was a kick to the crotch. No, I don't want the MLS. What else you watched in summer? Baseball. Are you are you are you really watching the Yankees? I, are I, you? I put I put on the NFL Network and I watched them cycle around to practices. The text, okay, so Tony sent me a text about two and a half weeks ago, and it just said, Eric, and I said, what? And he goes, I miss football. <laughs> I came up All with a perfect time. idea. No, nobody watched, like, like an NFL red zone type thing. You just got Scott Hansen there and going around from minicamp to minicamp. Why can't the USFL take place now? Why can't they just bring it back now? I heard a brilliant idea. Well, USFL's coming back, and that's, actually, yeah. that's huge news. Get it back and, now. What now? We were a big XFL podcast. We were a big AAF podcast in, in its heyday. I'm a big but XFL guy. I heard a great thing on Twitter. Spring football league's great. More football. How can you hate it? Why not put on a fall football league that takes place on Tuesdays, Wednesdays? Ah. <sighs> I don't know if – I mean, I'd watch it, but I don't know how many people you'd get to really go out of their way and try and watch that. That's what tough. else What else are people watching on a Tuesday night in September? Well, the problem is – Baseball? Playoff well, baseball? Well, no, they're not. Yes. I'll say this. It might be tough with, like, school and work the next day. 
Because you got to remember, one time do most games take – how are you going to – you can't get it done. You, you can't play 16 games. You know, no, no I'm time. not talking a 32-team league here, Eric. No. I'm talking like an eight-team <laughs> league. Yeah, an eight-team league. 32 you're, teams you're, all, all right, day. All right. you, do, you have four teams on each coast. For your East Coast teams, you do a four o'clock kick or a six o'clock kickoff, and your West Coast teams, you do a nine. There's one problem with that, a huge problem with that. There's a ton of problems with this. Don't yes. tell me there's only one. Yeah, really. If there was only one, one, I would go out of my way and try to solve it. The, the, your first is that you're going to be completely, you're going to be competing against playoff baseball. Yes. That's. Mm. I thought you were talking about problems, Eric. If you tell me, if you threw the AAF in the middle of the season, in the middle of playoff baseball, people are going to choose playoff baseball over the AAF or XFL. Zach, Zach, 90% of the sports viewing audience would rather watch Lions-Jaguars. That's not true. Over Game 7 of the World Series. No, that's not true. I there say hasn't been a World Series. Series game that I'd has say maybe. outdone the ratings of football up against it in years. I'm talking about the exactly. NFL, though, not some random yes. rinky dink league that you're going to throw in on a bit. Tuesday night. It would take a bit. But September years. isn't competing against playoff baseball because the playoffs start in October. September is competing against... Regular season baseball that nobody gives a shit about. You're competing against like Orioles Orioles something else. You're going to be on the brink of playoff baseball. I think it would not survive. Although you would have to have like no rules. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to have a Would you watch no rule football? Yeah. Over playoff baseball? Oh. Depends on the playoff baseball, but yeah, probably. Bingo. No rule. Solve that problem. I want, I want to any see more problems you want to throw my way? All right. I'm going to see which. I'm here with the Vince McMahon model. I'm going to see which primetime games are going up against MLB playoffs this year. I do want to bring up the conversation that me and Eric had about the Pirates last week. Oh, that was more than just me. I did that to Tony, too, about the attendance. Yeah. Pirates Marlins turned out. Pirates Marlins turned out to be not the hottest ticket in town. 4,102 people showed up for that game. Just one day removed of completely uplifting the uh, mandate of how many people. They had full capacity, and nobody showed up to that game. Are the Pirates the worst team in baseball? I'm I'm asking like an open-ended question. It's not really yes or no, because worst team in baseball, you'd say yes. Are they the worst team baseball seen in the last 25 years? No. Who do you think is? I think it's the 03 Tigers. They were pretty bad. They're close. Well, though. season's not over. Season's not, yeah, season's season's not, not over. over. <laughs> and they've had some really question, very I'll, questionable. I'll even say this. I'll even say this. I can, you could argue Pittsburgh's not even the worst team in baseball right now. There's an they argument. Did have, they did have one of the worst plays in baseball. Because, history. oh, my God, Arizona recently has been. They're brutal. bad. Yeah. Beat the Mets, but they're bad. The Diamondbacks, dude. They should they should cancel the rest of their schedules just the rest of the season back and forth. Diamondbacks, just Pirates, all, just all losses, yeah, or yeah, just Pirates, Diamondbacks for two straight months. I'd play a hundred game series. Let's see, uh, let's see how that goes. 
they should do that. They should have like a, a team in the playoffs, two teams that are the worst teams, not in the playoffs, but like they play each other in like a seven game series for the last place. I am, dude, I am at wit's end with the New York Yankees. Yeah, not a not a good look right uh, now. Ooh, huh? They're they're a team showing no fight. And listen, I get it, it's June, but you gotta at least have the right mindset in these games. And Tony, they don't well welcome to what we've been dealing with for the past 15 years. Oh yeah. no, 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 no. It, it's it's not even close to what you people have been dealing with. <laughs> no, it's it's close. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty close. You well, want to hear the main difference with 31 and 29. You guys yeah. normally don't have that's very point. tough, though. Yeah, normally we're like 29, 31. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, want, I, I want to get to the main reason we want to talk about the Yankees today. And that's what we saw, I believe, was Saturday night. Before we get to the whole Odor call, the thing – oh, no, this kind of is lumped in with that. It's, it's lumped in, yeah. Yeah, I mean – Outrageous. Runners on the corners, two outs, bottom nine. And you call a ball that's five inches away from Rugnet Odor. Five inches out of his strike zone. You call it a ball or strike? You call it a strike. In a full oh. count, in a tie ball game, in the bottom of the ninth, runners on the corners. Zach, I it is, it's awful. It's awful. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's poor. And, and, I mean, I'm not a fan of, like, having – automated umpires with a set strike. So I'm not a fan of that. But when I see shit like that, it's Human like, how can I argue game. against it? Human errors are part of the game. But these are professionals at the highest level. Get the call right. I think it would have to come down to getting younger guys in the majors. Because a lot of these old, like, chief umpires are in their 50s and 60s. It is so tough to work your way up through the ranks, though, and get that job. Yeah, but you have so many of these guys that as you get older, you don't have the same eyesight as you did when you first came in. Or they care less. Yeah, that too. So it's just tough. I'd rather see a kid really trying his hardest and be able to see the strike zone clearly and make the right calls than have to have like a – I forget the guy that's famous for making bad calls, but I've seen a lot even in the Mets game. Angel Hernandez, yeah. Even in the Mets game, there was a strikeout earlier where the ball was at least like – six inches above the strike zone. It was letter high, like above his logo. And they called it a strike. And it was just, it's absurd. awful. It's awful. It can't it's happen. Awful. And then this is the part. Shout out to Aaron Boone for just sitting on his damn hands. Will you show some emotion out of that dugout? There was You're no playing. emotion from Boone. You're playing for the most historic team in baseball. The Shining city on a hill when it comes to baseball. Not just baseball, sports. Yeah. Sports. Sports. North American sports. North American sports. At least you could argue. Although if you ask Texas, they would give you a completely different answer. They would tell you it's the Dallas Cowboys and then tell you to piss off. But will you please show some damn emotion? The problem with this team and where this roster is at right now Everybody is way too comfortable with their job. Yep. I only see one or two players who go out there on a nightly basis and care about their job. Rugnet Odor, his numbers aren't great, but he is putting emotion into every single swing of the bat, field, everything. He's putting it into every single play. And Aaron Judge, 
The only two I could say they're putting everything into everything. I'm taking pictures out of the equations. I think Garrett Cole's that type of guy. Too. You're taking Stanton too. Stanton. There's times he just disappears, and that that's it's more injury than it is anything else. But you look at the players who haven't earned the right to be comfortable. Gliber Torres earlier in the season playing too comfortable. Clint yeah. Frazier playing too comfortable. Miguel Andujar playing too comfortable. And for those three guys specifically, young guys who were there are question marks at the position, not even now, also in the future when it comes to those players. Yep. Playing way too comfortable. DJ LeMayhew is having the worst 16-game stretch of his career. The worst. I, I hate, like, the, the thing of, like, a lot of players don't want managers that, like, get emotional in the locker room and yell at players when they need to be yelled at. Because, I mean, that was one of the storylines going along, going around when they got rid of Joe Girardi, was that I, he dude, was too tough on players in the locker room. And I thought that was the dumbest excuse ever. You killed I that. Was for the days of Joe Girardi. Yeah. He wanted to win, and he was he was gonna yell at you and do what you and get you to motivate it to do what you needed to do in the field, and and it works. I hate this whole thing where all players are getting fucking pissed off now at people that are getting you know that into it and yelling and getting mad at players, but it needs to happen. So he, he demanded respect in the clubhouse. So I tweeted out that's an inexcusable call, and Tony didn't know what I was talking about. No, because I was watching Mayweather May- Paul. Mayweather Paul. <laughs> Shout out and to Chad Johnson t- for getting his shit rocked. And then I sent him the clip. And the reaction after that clip was not it was not pleasant. No, and I was more pissed off Aaron Boone didn't say anything. And the Yankees, as we say this, just tied a game at two in the fifth inning. Now, but- I, w- I will say this, and there was one guy that I want to give credit to for showing some emotion, and that's Phil Nevin. Dude. Who should be the manager of the team? If I was in control of the damn team, I would put Phil Nevin Phil Nevin in Aaron Boone's position in a heartbeat. Phil Nevin coming off a battle with COVID that he lost 22 pounds in a two-week span. He one steps over the railing in the dugout to come out and basically square up to the umpire, yep. showing some emotion that you want to see out of the manager of the New York Yankees. And have Aaron Boone try to hold him back, and he shoved him off like he was nothing. And to hear what Phil Nevin's been through in the past two weeks, the man missed his son debuting in the major leagues for the Baltimore Orioles because of him getting diagnosed with COVID. And now his son's been optioned back to AAA. So we can't even go see him now. Yeah. He might get another shot, but nothing's for sure. Phil Nevin has emotion, and he showed it against that umpire. Aaron Boone will sit there and smile, and he'll clap his hands. He's a Jason Garrett, yeah. and you cannot have that in New York sports. That may run, that may fly when Jerry Jones is pulling strings down in Dallas. It may fly in a situation like that. It doesn't fly in the hardest market to be a player, manager, general manager, coach in. It doesn't fly here. And the fact that Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner are letting it fly here is just upsetting. It's putting a bad name on New York Yankees baseball. I know fans shouldn't stand for it. If I was a season ticket holder, I'd be pissed. I'm not because I can't afford that. But (laughs) if I was a fan, season ticket holder, if I was just even as a baseball fan, baseball is better when the Yankees are better. Yes, 100%. You need 
you need less Aaron Boones and you need more Phil Nevins. Now, it's as right. simple as that. And that's what I love about this Mets team this year is because of all the emotion in the lineup, in the coaching staff, and just overall with the whole team. It, it, it help, like having that kind of emotion in games, it, it brings you all together and it, it elevates you as a team. Now, you need a kick in the ass. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is another thing I want to say. It has gotten to the point now where Aaron Boone's status as a manager and his tenure as manager is, I would say, kind of overshadowing his home run that he hit in 2003. And it is, it is taking that and just kind of, you know, Dude, that is only half the, that's half the reason why Yankees fans are still putting up with him. He had the he had his Yankee Stadium moment. He Once had his curve ball. One swing of the bat got him the manager's job. Yep. Simple as that. And Shouldn't be the way it is, but that's how it was. Joe Girardi, Girardi he should still for be what there. it's worth, didn't have his Yankee Stadium moment as a member of the New York Yankees. But he was a more solid New York Yankee than Aaron Boone was. In emotion, in play. Whether it was in his playing career or his managerial career, he demanded he the best. He was more of a New York time. Yankee than Aaron Boone was. Yeah, it sucks because the Can't Yankees. Take it. They, I mean, especially with the way the way they've gone out of the playoffs the last couple of years, you hate to see them go into a season like this midway, almost midway through the season, and and not have the emotion that you should. It, last year, play. when everything came out that the Astros were cheating. You think that would have lit a fire under him? Yeah. We were to there. Come out and we, we saw it. To yeah. come out and say, hey, this was stolen from us. Let's go show why we should have earned it and should have gotten it. And instead, you lose in the first round to the Tampa Bay Rays, who are a poverty franchise compared to the New York Yankees. Oh, yeah. There is no reason why in 2021 or 2020 when it happened, that the Tampa Bay Rays should be beating the New York Yankees in a five-game series. It shouldn't be happening. And that right there should have put Aaron Boone on thin ice. And it okay. didn't. Because Cashman and Steinbrenner are like their puppet, and Boone's their puppet. It's as simple as that. They need a big trade. They need somebody to get cut. They need something to happen that'll looking, light a fire under the players. Well, they're looking at selling at the deadline is the latest rumor. Uh, if they do that, I... Me and Eric even, probably maybe Judge would be gone. Yeah, we're talking about potentially they might be looking at Judge for all we know. He's a free agent to be. Well, the Angels called about Aaron Judge in the offseason. The Cardinals called too. Yeah. And the Yankees basically told them no. It's a different thought process now, though. Now different thought process now. Now they're a 500 ball club. But you're a big market. You still need to build around a star. You just signed Garrett Cole all this money. And that's you gotta put thing. a team around him that's gonna somewhat succeed. That press conference today was not a good look for Garrett Cole. Nope. Well, that's a tough question by that report. I respect that reporter so much for asking that question. Yeah, he came right out with it. But, but I mean, he, he should have. He essentially said yes by what he said. So why didn't he just say yeah? I've used it because that's admission. Well, guess what? That's he, why. I mean, that's a simple answer to that question. I guess, yeah. But you ask every single pitcher around baseball, do you use it? Not one is going to say yes. When ninety-eight percent of pitchers use something, I told Zach before we recorded. I said it's it's the exact same thing as steroids twenty twenty-five years ago. Yeah. Yep. 
But if you're the Yankees and you're considering selling, that is insulting to the players because Aaron Judge this year is close to a 300 batter. He's having his best season since the year the MVP was stolen from him. What are we doing? What are you doing, Cashman? What are you doing? This was the team. Cannot sell. This was the team with the second best odds going in to win the World Series. You have unlimited money. They had the American League on a silver platter this season. The only reason to sell at the deadline is to, and I wouldn't even do it at the deadline, I'd do it in the offseason, is to free up a position because you're bringing in a player that's an upgrade at that position. That's the only reason. There's no other reason to do it as a New York Yankee general manager. I think there's a couple guys that need to look at selling. I really do. Because, first of all, Jason Dominguez is going to be the real deal. Oh, yeah. And you need an option at shortstop. I don't think Labor Torres is a long-term solution in New York. He's not. He's been the most clutch hitter on that team by a country mile. But he's not the long-term answer there. And, dude, and – Here's the I thing. Know that, that's going to tick Yankee fans off, and I'm sorry. But if and here's the thing with this team. Guy, there's no room for him. Let's say over the next 30 games, they rip off 20. We're having a different discussion. The underlying problem is still there. The pro- Well, if they went, it's where they are in the division. You're in a competitive division. Unexpectedly, too. Yeah. I'd buy- no, I think it was kind of expected. No, I didn't see Tampa. I mean, they traded away their best pitcher. Well, I told I told you Boston was my sleeper playoff team. Yeah, you did say that. I was yeah, Boston. I just didn't expect that. I was very high on Boston last teams. year. They were awful. Yeah, the core is back, and the pitching rotation looks strong. Yeah, and that's all you needed. And, and you even got the Giants team. out of the West. Yeah, going crazy. I don't know. That how one I did not see coming. No, there's still a hundred games left in the season. This whole narrative could change by the All Star break. We have no. two and that's the problem because if the narrative changes and for the Yankees, it's another early exit in the playoffs. You bought your, if you're the management, you bought yourself another year because you made the playoffs and look, Oh, we defeated all this adversity at the beginning of the season. Look at this poor start. Look where we finished. We made the playoffs, but you really didn't accomplish anything. That's what I call Atlanta Falcons syndrome. Yeah. That's you're the Atlanta Falcons. All right, we got to move to a different topic or I'm going to blow speaking another of, gasket. Speaking, of, speaking of Atlanta, they're in win now mode. And what does that mean? You trade Julio Jones. Avalanche are up one nothing. Yeah, going into the second period. Brandon Sod, buzzer beer. Yep. 1.8 left on the clock. Bad goal by Mark Andre Fleur. Billy's up 26 25 left. The Atlanta Falcons enjoy mediocrity. That's all I could say, because you're going to be mediocre for probably as long as your franchise exists. I'm telling you, should have went quarterback, should have went Justin Fields in the draft, start the rebuild early, because if everything goes right, everything clicks, you lose in the divisional round, best case scenario in my eyes. There's nothing past that. You're not beating a Tampa. You're not beating a Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. You're not beating a Dallas. You're not Seattle. You're not beating Seattle. You're not beating the Rams. Be close to the Cardinals, but I think you still lose. You're not beating a Minnesota. You're probably the third best team in that division. You're not beating the Saints. Even with Jameis Winston, it's not happening. 
I think they're on par with Carolina. Yeah, and I think I could see Carolina taking both games that season series. I really could. And let's talk about Tennessee. Got another weapon. You filled the hole left by Corey Davis. Good for you. It's critical of them that they didn't get a skilled position player. They got one. Went out and got one of the best available. And I'll say this. They didn't pay much. They didn't pay anything. It's a free Julio Jones, basically. I get why his price was low. It's a free Julio Jones who, if your defense – how the hell do you stop that? And I know it's just going to be – I know Derrick Henry's going to have like 1,700 yards this season. He's got more. He's going to have 2,000 yards. Probably have 2,200 yards in a 17-game season. Tony, what have I been saying this whole time? What's the easiest job in football? Hand the ball to Derrick Henry or being the t- Titans offense, offense coordinator. Offense coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. It's the easiest job in football. Because well, finally, when they start to crowd the box, you just throw to Julio Jones or A.J. Brown and watch him go. I love Ryan Tannehill of fantasy this year. Yeah. yeah, so do I, but Julio Jones said he wanted a deep ball thrower. Tannehill's not that. Tannehill doesn't wow me with his deep ball. Um, I feel like it really came down to the, the, the team itself. They're in a great position. So he was probably like okay with it. Contender and that needed a wide receiver. Tennessee's Super Bowl odds jumped up to plus 2,000 after the trade. What was it at before? I think it was around plus 3,600, plus 3,800. Plus 1,500. Wow. <laughs> so. In my eyes, bit- one second. In my eyes, right. prior to the Julio Jones trade, they were a 10 and 7, 11 and 6 ball club. Now they are an 11 and 6 solid ball club. 12 and 5, maybe. Bought you half a win in my eyes. Because your defense is god awful. You said goodbye to Jimmy Butler. Not Jimmy Butler. Malcolm Butler. Yeah. Whoa. We said goodbye to Jimmy Butler a while ago in the NBA playoffs. He said goodbye to Malcolm Butler. Where did Malcolm Butler go? Arizona, right? I think so. Or is he still floating around? He said goodbye to Adore Jackson. And I thank you for that. I like him as my number two cornerback in New York. Yeah, Malcolm Butler's in Arizona. Jadavian Clowney, that experiment didn't work. Who the hell is going to rush the passer for the Tennessee Titans? Bud Dupree. Okay, Bud Dupree. Coming off an injury, right? Bud Dupree, Harold Landry. Those are your two. Rashawn Evans. Okay. All right, and when you can't get there. That's the problem. That's the problem. And you're in a conference where if you're Tennessee, you really think you can compete for a Super Bowl. And I have you several steps below KC. Several steps below, but not many as KC. I have you several steps below uh, Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes didn't throw for 500 yards against you. They're a team that made a point in the offseason. Seeing their poor offensive line pay went out and bolstered their offensive line. You're not going to touch Mahomes if you're Tennessee. And you're a team that last year in the playoffs lost to the Baltimore Ravens in the first round. Let's go play that game again. I think you still lose to the Baltimore Ravens in the first round. Yeah, I agree. Julio Jones, yeah, it's a name. It turns some heads. Hey, 
I bet on Ryan Tannehill to win the MVP this season. It's not a bad bet, though. Sleeper. Yeah. Sleeper. And of course, I bet my, my guy Danny Dimes, but I bet on Ryan Tannehill because I could see him throwing for 40 touchdowns. But you're not going to win anything. It doesn't make you any closer to being a Super Bowl contender as yesterday did. They said defense wins championships. You didn't improve your defense. If you would have made some improvements on defense and rolled with A.J. Brown as your number one and maybe get a number two wide receiver, they have Josh Reynolds, who's their three. Maybe slot him in and out of two. Maybe get a veteran guy. You have an argument to be made you're a better team than last year. So yeah, they're better than they got budget let's not even look at let's, Caleb Farley. Let's not even look AFC. Let's look just right in their division. Indy. Are they, they better than Indy? I think they are. I think they were before that. It was close before. It was close. I think they finished with the same record last year, didn't they? No, I think Indy finished a game back. And Indy finished a game back with Phillip Rivers (laughs) as their starting quarterback. I mean, no, they both went 11 and 5. They both went 11 and 5? Yep. I think they'll be better. If Julio Jones buys you one win, Carson Wentz buys you one win. It's good enough for the division. And on tiebreaker. Just depends on what that win is. <laughs> because both of those teams, I could really see going five and one in the division. And they just split their series against each other. Indy and Tennessee. Congratulations, you got your name, but uh you have fun losing to Baltimore in the first round. I'm telling you, a couple of weeks ago when the news came out that, like, oh, it was announced the KC's out on Julio Jones. That got me scared because I was like, they were in? Yeah, I had no idea. Why the hell? So, a couple notes on Julio from Albert Breer. Baltimore talked to Atlanta before the draft, but went out after taking Rashad Bateman. New England and Vegas wait, never Wait, 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 wait. Rashad Bateman turned that needle for him? Yeah. That All right, sense. Baltimore, have fun beating Tennessee and then losing to, like, Cleveland. <laughs> New England and the Raiders never showed real interest. Okay, New England. Belichick takes a lot of stock in those draft picks. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe, I don't know what he knows. I don't know how he's thinking the team's going to go this year. I think if he thought they were going to contend, contend this year, he would have traded for Julio Jones, no problem. The Raiders doesn't surprise me because I, 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 the more days that go on, I'm starting to think John Gruden's an idiot. <laughs> Mostly because he has, if his potential is met, a top five running back in the National Football League. And he went out and signed Kenyon Drake. And he has continued to neglect the offensive line, the defense, and the wide receiver position. And I don't know where all the money is going. David, uh, Derek Carr could only be making so much. Yeah. They're, the Raiders are spending $102 million on offense. Where? I have no idea where. <laughs> it's like, the, were they tied with the Jets for the same yeah, amount? The Jets, Again, yeah. Again, where? 
The other thing with Julio, two more. All four NFC West teams talked to Atlanta, but none of them made an official offer. That's surprising from the Seattle Seahawks perspective. I really thought they were going to be... Atlanta? Arizona? Don't be surprised at that. No. And, and, you know, it it was kind of clear from the beginning that Atlanta really didn't want to trade him within the conference because for some reason Atlanta has the illusion that they're going to be playing somebody in the playoffs and would have to play against Julio Jones, which that's not going to happen. And, the last and if you lose, it's not because of Julio Jones, because of the Atlanta Falcons. The last bullet was that Tennessee taking on Julio's contract was the key. Yeah, and that's a big thing. Which, I mean, yeah. Although, if I was Atlanta, well, Atlanta's not thinking like rebuild. If I was Atlanta and I was thinking rebuild, I would keep some of the contract and try to get the first. You know? But Atlanta's not thinking that way for some reason. It's dedication I- to a quarterback who whose peak was losing to New England in the Super Bowl, and they think they can replicate that. That was almost – that was four years ago. Yeah. You're not going to do it again. And that could be a high second-round pick. Dude, it could be 36, like it was this year. Just – Makes no sense. Trading Julio Jones is usually a move when you say we're going to rebuild – but they're not. And then you do it and say, this positions our team better to win now. And it's like, how? I have a feeling they're going to use Kyle Pitts in a Julio Jones-like role. You got to imagine. And he's a tight end. I understand. But there were some teams entering the draft that saw him more as a wide receiver because of his size and his pure route running ability. I could see him using him like that. Is it the right move? I don't know. I'd imagine no because it's Atlanta and Atlanta never makes the right move. They're just have fun struggling against Carolina. That's all I can say. Anything else on Julio? (laughs) Oh, that was it. Those were the only four notes from Albert Breer. Okay. Uh, One last thing here before we go. Devontae Adams today at the first day of mandatory minicamp in Green Bay, saying he's sticking with his boy Aaron Rodgers. But guess who is not there? Aaron Rodgers. His boy Aaron Rodgers. Also, Jordan Love today apparently seems to favor his checkdowns at OTAs, which is not what you want to hear if you're a Green Bay fan at the moment. Oh, Robert Tunyon's fantasy stock just went through the roof. Skyrocketing. Him, Aaron Jones, gonna catch some passes. It's gonna be AJ Dillon. Yeah, oh, Quadzilla. Moon. Tony, what do you think is gonna happen with Aaron Rodgers? I think he's gonna play for Green Bay. I'm still fairly certain. It's either there or Denver. There's nowhere else. Yeah. And he gets fined, I think, after a certain. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. They have the option to fine him $93,000. Oh, they're not going to do it, though. They would, no, they That's, would be crazy to do that. Pennies to Aaron Rodgers. I, yeah. Not even but that. That would just That's just something that would upset him more. Like, yeah. that's not something you do if you're still saying we're going to bring him back. It's just, you can't do it. Jordan Love starting game one for the Packers. I think it's yeah, going it, to no. If he's starting game one and Aaron Rodgers is still on their payroll, I'm going to tell you something. Aaron Rodgers is starting game two. 
Because no. after that doesn't work week one, they're going to be begging Aaron Rodgers to come back and throwing everything at him. Yeah. Bortles. Blake Bortles. The goat? The boat? The boat. Blake Bortles? I can see that. I don't you know can do it. Said. That'd be great. Jordan Love struggles. It'd be Bortles' chance in Green Bay. They're going to go from Favre to Rodgers to Bortles, the natural order of things. Since, yeah. since 2017, they both have the same number of playoff wins. Yeah, tell it to a Green Bay fan to see what they think. See how they handle that one. I'll ask it. I'll ask Gage. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. We will see you again this Friday. I I went crazy there a little bit of the episode. I hope you enjoyed that. We needed a Yankee Yankee rant. Dude, and they're like my third favorite team out of like New York sports. So they must have really pissed you off. Like I'm starting to get hyped up because I'm seeing Kenny Galladay say, yeah, Danny Dimes is my guy. I'm like, yeah, damn right he's your guy. (laughs) You don't have a choice. The Giants are my two. The Devils are my one. So, I mean, it just so gets me pissed problem. off. Let down the season. Let down the season. Let down the season. Yeah, and the one that wasn't supposed to be a letdown this season is starting to really let me down this. And season. then it just boiled over. Welcome to our world. Yeah. Yes, welcome. Next week, like we did with MLB over unders, we're going to be doing NFL over unders. We'll take some uh, variables into account. And we'll go through FanDuel's over-unders list, uh, wins list for this upcoming season. And we will go through that. Every episode of the Too Many Men Sports Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. We will see you this Friday for an episode of Too Many Men.